You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. We're in a series at the moment called Simple Faith, um, and we've been unpacking some like foundational um, practical truths that shape the way we relate to God and the way we relate to others. And these, they're truths that um, sometimes in our walk with the Lord, we can have a gap. You know, it's like we, there's just something that we, that we missed or we didn't learn or we haven't actually applied, and it leaves a hole in our foundation. Have you ever wondered, why does it seem that I go around the same mountain again and again? You know, it's like, you know, uh, I'm two years down the track and I feel like I'm at the same place that I was two years ago. Can I suggest that it's possible that there's a gap in your foundation? There's something that you've missed. There's a, not just a discipline, but maybe something about the character or nature of God or something that you haven't applied in your life that's left a hole in your foundation. And that's why you find yourself back in the same place again. So these things, although they can be simple, are so so vital and powerful for us to continue to grow and be effective for the kingdom of God. What we've looked at so far, I'm going to give you a really quick recap, and then we're going to jump into this week. Um, We've looked at what's my relationship with the Bible. Am I reading it? Am I studying it? Do I spend time in it? it? Is it the standard for me? Um, We've looked at what's my relationship with prayer. Do we believe in prayer? Is prayer our first resort or our last resort? Is it our first response or our last resort? We've looked at simple obedience. I think that that's such a key thing. Is our heart set to obey when God speaks? Not to argue, not to go, oh, you know, uh, in my time. But when we see it, when we hear it, when he speaks, are we set to obey? We've asked the question, what are our ceilings? Are there ceilings in your life? Are there things actually that you've allowed to put a lid on your growth and your maturity in the Lord? Are there things in my life or my belief or even the way I relate to God that is limiting my effectiveness? And then last week, um, Paul and Monica did an amazing job of asking, what's my relationship with evangelism? I heard somebody say this, and I firmly believe it, that discipleship that doesn't result in increased mission or evangelism is not the discipleship that Jesus intended. If you look at the, at, at the New Testament, that every disciple of Jesus was sent out to reach the lost. Just ponder that. That's not my preach this morning, but you can have that one for free. Would you open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4, please? Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. I usually put like a bookmark in it. Ephesians chapter 4. One of the things that we touched on in our week um, of what are our ceilings was that one of our ceilings often is that um, is a lack of team or a lack of understanding that we've been designed and created to work with other people together in the kingdom. In my time following Jesus, I, I have observed that one of the things that, that people often struggle with is the idea of ministering in team. Now, what do I mean when I say ministering? Whether it's our worship, it's, it's being on mission, it's praying for people, it's sending teams to other places, that everything we do in the kingdom, there's a team dynamic. I'll unpack this for you this morning. Being a team player, working in team, is a kingdom principle. The principle is this, that we need each other for the fullness of God to be displayed. We need each other, and we need team. Everything in our culture, and it so often creeps into the church, is individualistic. 
If you look around us in the culture we live in, it's individualistic. We think individualistically and we get sucked into the trap of consumerism. That it's about me and what I can get. And we can be tempted to view following Jesus through the same lens of individualism. That's a hard word to say. Um, and this, this trapped into the, the trap of what can I get, and we lose the fact that the kingdom of God never stops with the individual. The kingdom of God never stops with the individual. And we're often asked questions like this. What is your gift? What is your calling? How does God want to use you? Where's your place? Where's your ministry? And these aren't bad questions, but they're unhelpful if it's only about me. See, there's nowhere in the culture or understanding of the people in Bible times where the idea of individuality and following Jesus ever entered their thinking. It was never my calling, my ministry, my place, devoid of connection with other people that God's added me to. You don't see that anywhere in the Bible. It was always community, family, um, uh, priesthood, together, a body, a tribe, a people. From Old Testament to New Testament, you see that God uses a people, a group, together, a family, the body of Christ, to see his kingdom advanced. It was always the together that allowed the fullness of the splendor of God to be displayed. Even when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, they were to, it says they were together in the upper room. They were together in one place, and he came upon a people. God wants to use you. God has given you a gift and a calling and a place, but he wants to use you in team as part of a body together with other people. It's a big shift in our, in our cultural understanding. God could have poured out his Holy Spirit. He could have poured himself out on them as individuals. You know that he's, he, he is everywhere and he can do what he wants. And you can encounter his presence at home on your own. But when he poured out his spirit in the day of Pentecost, it was upon a people. There's something about us being together that releases him to move in a greater way and show his glory. We have the privilege of, of traveling and ministering in a lot of different places, and we get to send teams out. And I was asking Paul this week if he's had the same experience, because I wasn't sure if it was just me. But one of the things that I miss so much when we travel as a team, and, and Paul said the same thing, and I'm, I'm sure Gabby, uh, Gabby and others that, that get to travel and minister can say this. One of the things I miss so much when we travel is the team here at Melbourne Lights. It's you. I, it, it actually can, it feels, it can feel a little bit weird going somewhere else because I feel like part of me is missing because together we get to display the splendor of God. Um, I think it's so easy to begin to think or for people to begin to think like if we go somewhere else to minister, you know, this person is the anointed one or they're, they're the gift. And we do believe that we have gifts and God's given gifts and we carry an anointing, but it's actually the fullness of what God wants to do is together. The Holy Spirit gives gifts as he, as he chooses. It's not about me. It's not about a person ministering. It's about Jesus. Even when we gather here on a Sunday morning, it's not about whoever's preaching. It's not about the, the person that's, that is leading the songs. It's about him. It's about God wants, what God wants to do to, through us and to us together. 
when we come to worship. It's not these guys sing songs and it's just a warm-up. That's why we're shifting the order. It's not just a warm-up to get to a preach so the anointed preacher can bring a word that's going to somehow change. We believe there's power in the preach, but we don't do worship to get to something else. This is worship. Our singing of songs together is to get together to glorify Jesus, to lift him up. It's a response of our hearts, and we all have a part to play in it. The beauty, the fullness of what God wants to do in any situation or any place is expressed in the tapestry of team, the multiplicity of gifts. It's a people knit together, ministering together for the display of his splendor and majesty. When I travel, I, I miss the expression of this team here. Because I love this team. I love you guys. And I love what God's doing in our midst. But I think a lack of understanding and, and, and value around team is one of the biggest causes of church splits. It's one of the biggest causes of failed church plants, of hurt within the church, of disappointment, of disillusioned Christians. Because we begin to think that there's more value. See, if we don't grasp team... If we don't grasp that God's knit us together for the display of his splendor, we begin to think there's more value or there's more honor in a position or in a profile rather than in the whole. We know that the Bible says we're a body, but we all want to be the face, not the toe. Be honest. Nobody is like, I want to be the big toe. But if you don't have a big toe, you fall over. Every part is needed. We begin to think there's more value or honor in a position or a profile rather than the whole. And we've often, to be honest, been taught that in the church. And the result is this. If we don't get the position or the profile, we begin to get disgruntled or offended or begin to look elsewhere for the position or profile that we think we should get. We veil it in spiritual language, but it's a hierarchical mindset and model. That the person with the mic has more value than the believer sitting in a chair. That the person with profile, the person with with a a greater social media following, the person who's the worship leader, somehow in the kingdom has more value, and it's a load of rubbish. You have to constantly kill that mindset. Otherwise, you begin to get offended and disgruntled if you don't get the position or the profile you think you should have, rather than ministering where God's placed you as part of the body and together we glorify Jesus and see the kingdom ascended. God models team on every level. Even in his character, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's not one that has more value and one that has less. So often, we have, you know, we have been taught, I've heard it said in the church, it's Father, Son, and Holy Bible. And we make the Holy Spirit, who is God, a second-rate version of God. And we value the Bible and we honor the Bible. And this is is our guide and our foundation. But it reveals who God is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, together, model team. Husbands and wives together. The plurality of elders and leaders. The priesthood of all believers. It means that we all have the privilege of ministering to Jesus and the responsibility to minister to him and to minister to others. The body of Christ, the church. Jesus calls the disciples, and he calls the disciples as a group. He calls them individually, come follow me, but he disciples them together. 
he sends them out two by two. He could have sent them out one by one, but he didn't because team is important in the kingdom. Team's God's plan. Paul, when he ministered and traveled in the New Testament, ministered and traveled with team, with people around him. And sometimes, if you read the New Testament, I hope you are, and I hope you do, there was disagreement in the team. Sometimes they even decided to go to different places. But there was always team. It wasn't like, ah, oh, I've been let down, like, I, you know, we've disagreed, so now I'm just going to do this thing on my own. Because that's often our response, isn't it? Ah, oh, that person's let me down. There's an account of Paul saying, you go there, and I'm going to go here, because we can't work together anymore, but he gets somebody else to come with him. Not, that's it. I don't believe in ministering with other people. I'm going to do it on my own now. If we don't truly believe that team is God's plan, or if we hold back because of hurt or offense, we put a ceiling on what God can do in and through our lives. Have you found Ephesians 4? We are getting there. We've got to read the Bible. Verse one, from verse 1, it says, I therefore, this is Paul writing, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying it is, he ascended, what does it mean? That he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he, is talking about Jesus here, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, why? To equip the saints for works of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood or womanhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children. And then he says, this is what children, this is, this is the response of children, who are tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way, into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. This whole passage is about ministering together in unity, about growing into maturity. Ephesians 4.12, it reminds us that the gifts of God are given to equip the saints for works of ministry. The gifts of God are not given to equip the pastors for works of ministry. Do you, do you see that? It's to equip the saints together. Ministry in the kingdom is about releasing people to what God's called them to. God's called you to ministry. If you believe God has called you to ministry, and you should, because we're all called to ministry, it's about releasing others to what God's called them to. We've been taught so often that ministry is about finding your place and your platform, and that is a load of rot. Ministry is about helping other people release to what God's called them to. 
It's not building our own thing. It's not re- recruiting people to our cause. It's, it's impossible to do this effectively without working together in team. God's designed us that way, and I love it, because you don't have it all. I don't have it all. None of us have it all. He's given us gifts, but we need each other for his glory to be displayed. If we don't have a heart to see others grow and develop and release, we can go through all the motions, but ultimately we will revert to individualism. Ultimately, the fruit of ministry will not be others being released. It'll be me trying to build a profile, and it comes undone. So what are some of the attributes needed to minister in team? And when I say minister, this can be our worship. It can be our outreach. It can be to release others. It can be building up. It's making disciples. It's all of those things. What are the attributes needed? Let's get to the heart thing. So if, if team is important, then how do we make sure that we can work in team. I'm glad you asked. There are so many things that we could unpack that literally I could give you like a hundred different attributes of a good team person. But I'm just going to use the scripture that we just read. Um, I think it's good to pull stuff straight out of the scripture and say, okay, what does Paul say are the attributes in the context of to equip the saints for works of ministry? The first one What do we need to be team people? People who can work with others, who can worship with others. The lights go off? No, screen, okay. Just go. Firstly, we need humility. Verse two. Thank you, Hugo, you're doing a very good job. We're working in team well. That's not your your fault. We need humility. Humility is a conduit for the, for the kingdom and the spirit. Someone said humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. In 1 Peter 5, verse 5, it says, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. When we begin to have a high view of ourselves, of our gifting, of our ministry, we step out of the grace of God. God gives grace to the humble. This isn't talking about just about salvation grace, although there is a humbling of self because we have to dethrone ourselves for Jesus to become Lord of, the, Lord of our lives. This is, ta- this is talking about grace gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, that God releases grace or gifts. God gives gifts of grace who, to those who will walk humbly before him and point all the glory back to him. Think about that. When we become proud and have a high view of ourselves, it actually stops the release of the gifts of grace of the Spirit in our lives. Because God's looking for people who will walk humbly before him and point all the glory back to him. In Micah 6 verse 8, it says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? What does the Lord require of you? To do justice? To walk kindly? To love love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? There's no place for pride or self-promotion in team. If we're going to lift our voices together in worship, there's no place for pride. There's no place for, you know, I'm the better singer 
I've got, you know, I've got the better word. No, it's together. We lift a beautiful praise to our Lord, humbly before him. Secondly, what are the, what are the attributes of, of team people? Gentleness. It says in verse 2, hum, to be humble. Gentleness. Matthew 11, verse 27, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is Jesus talking. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We have to deal gently with people if we're going to work together in team. This doesn't mean that we're pushovers or that we don't have strong beliefs. Jesus overturned the money changers in the temple. He drove them out. He dealt strongly with sin. He dealt strongly with religious people. He dealt strongly with the demonic. But our, our heart attitude, our heart position is one of gentleness. I'm not here to beat you into submission. I'm here to point you to Jesus and to lovingly and gently bring you to him. It's to help people grow and mature and be equipped to become more like him, to minister to him, to minister to others. We have to have this heart attitude of gentleness. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7 talks about love. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So often we read this just at weddings. But this is for life and ministry together with people. Do we believe the best? Do we assume the best? Or do we jump to the worst case scenario with people? Mm. If we planned a coffee, let's, let's, let's do a simple example. If we planned a coffee with somebody and they don't show up, do we get angry and indignant and think, how dare they not show up and waste my time? They don't value this relationship, which is a response of our insecurity. Or do we assume first, maybe something happened. Maybe they got caught up in an emergency. Maybe there's something they had to deal with. Do we call and berate them? How dare you not come? What is wrong with you? Or do we call with gentleness and say, are you all right? Did, like, we were supposed to meet, but something happened. Is everything okay? More often than not, they go, because this happens a lot in my life. This is a pers <laughs> personal example. <laughs> Preaching to me. More often than not, people are like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot. I'm so sorry. And it's a good thing. But if you call them like, where are you? They're like, what are you talking about? And then it's like, you're having this clash. Or sometimes it has been an emergency. No, something like, you know, one of the kids is sick and I had to take them to the doctor and I totally forgot. And we give them grace in that moment because we respond with gentleness. Thirdly, what, is a, what do we need for team to, to minister together? Patience. Oh, this hurts me this morning. This whole preach, when I was preparing it, I was like, ugh, every point. Um, Proverbs 14, 29 says, Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Oh, Lord, let me have great understanding and not display, oh, exalts folly. Okay. Mm. Doing anything with other people requires patience. Just doing anything with your own family requires <laughs> patience. We're coming up to Christmas. This is a point, even if it's just for you and your family. Now take that outside of your family. Take that into any type of ministry where team is involved, and it should have team. We require patience. 
It's why it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. If the Spirit is being formed in us, if he's working in us, and we're becoming more like Jesus, we should become more patient as we get older or mature, not less. We don't become grumpy, impatient old men. We, we become patient, loving. We have room for others. Why are you laughing so much? <laughs> I'm not looking at you, bro. Stop looking at Paul, okay? <laughs> Especially when people have different giftings or see things differently than you. So if we're going to be a tapestry woven together for the display of his splendor, it takes all different giftings and all different personalities, and God's created you with a personality and given you a gifting because he wants you to use it. But when, when our gifting is different and we have to work together, we need patience. Long-suffering. It shouldn't be suffering, but we should be long-suffering. We have to be patient with people to minister and team. We have to assume the best of them. Be gentle. Don't assume the worst heart. Assume the best heart. Assume that when somebody disagrees, that it's because God's wanting to teach us something or reveal something more or open up what he wants to do rather than only, we only see it through our gift and our lens. Fourthly, bearing with one another in love. It says to bear with one another in love. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 7, this is in this love passage. Love is patient woof, and kind. It does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. That's very straightforward. Some of us need to underline that. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Then verse 7 that we just read, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Sometimes we have to bear with people because they're on a journey. We bear with them in love. But can I ask you this? How often have people had to bear with you because you're on a journey? See, in, the king, <laughs> in church, we often expect everyone to bear with us, but we don't want to bear with others. Everyone has to have grace for my journey and my path, and it might take me six months or a year or five years, and I'm going to be a grumpy bum the whole time, but I don't have any grace for somebody else. If I smile, does it make it easier? <laughs> it hurts less. Jesus is teaching us something you know, in those moments. Maybe he's sorting out issues in our heart or our pride or our prejudice, and sometimes we have to bear with people. And we have to give them grace. If we believe in team, then there's times where we bear with others. And there's days or seasons of bearing with them. There's sometimes on a Sunday, it might be a Sunday morning. Let's just say, maybe this morning, you walked in and somebody didn't greet you or someone was grumpy or someone was like, oh, whatever. They didn't make the coffee you wait, the way you wanted it. Or they, you know, I don't know. Maybe they just didn't even look at you. But we bear with them because we're called to worship together. Or do we write them off without actually asking, are you okay? Maybe they're going through something. Maybe they just got a diagnosis this week. Maybe someone in their family has just passed away and you don't know anything about it. Maybe they're, they're contending because they need to see a financial release to pay their rent tomorrow. And we're going, oh, they didn't say hi to me. 
Are we willing to bear with one another through their days, their weeks, their seasons, so that together the grace and glory of God is displayed? If we believe in team, there's times that we have to bear. And it's not just begrudgingly bearing with them. We bear with them in love. Love chooses their highest. It's not just like, ugh, I have to bear with you. Ugh. Gosh. Don't be a bear. Don't, don't be a bear when bearing with. It's choosing their highest. It's praying for them. This is, like, you know, it's, this is foundational, the simple faith. This is the foundational stuff. If we're going to work with other people, if we can do this stuff, it's amazing how God will use us. But so, it, these are the things, if we, if we don't get this, that, cause offen- that, that allow offense to come in and cause us to go, I'm better on my own. I don't have a place in this church. I don't have a place in this, in this you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm bored with following Jesus. There's no adventure in this. No, no, You've, we've allowed offense and we've allowed bitterness to come in because we haven't grasped some of the heart issues of following Jesus together with others. Praying for them. Involving others takes hard work. It takes more time. Because it's not about me and my ministry. But it's about me and my thing. I can just push forward and do my own thing. But bringing people with us takes time. Bearing with one another. Bringing them into our life. Most of the times I hear people say, oh, you know, no, nobody talks to me. Nobody's friendly. I'm like, you go talk to somebody. You be friendly. I think we're one of the friendliest churches around. Can I, can I say that of, of ourselves? It's like the humble brag. I think we're friendly. So if you don't think that this church is friendly, you're not going to find another church that's more friendly. God's speaking to you to shift your heart, to say, why don't you invite somebody out for a meal? Why don't you bring them, why don't you go say hi? Why don't you give somebody a hug? Why don't you encourage them? Fifthly, the unity of the Spirit. Um, What are the attributes of team? Unity of the Spirit. Are we aware of the Spirit and what He's doing? Because, you know, we don't gather for ourselves. We gather for him. We don't gather just to tick a box so that if we go to church every week, we'll go to heaven. There's a lot of people who go to church every week who are not going to go to heaven. Are we aware of him and what he's doing? There is a spiritual realm as Gabby started with this morning. It's angels ascending and descending. The Spirit of God is moving He wants to set us free. He wants to set you free. He wants to use you to help set other people free. He wants to heal. He wants to restore. He's in this place this morning. He wants to speak to you. He wants a relationship with you. Are we united around the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit? He is not second-rate God. He's not just the helper, although he is a helper. He is God. There is a unity of this in the Spirit. If we're not open or willing to walk in the Spirit, then either our heart needs to change or this isn't the church for you. Because we honor the Spirit of God. There's a unity born from His presence that is so much stronger than a unity born of similar mindsets. If he is our goal, then we will deal ruthlessly with anything that takes us away from him. 
And when he's our goal, I can journey and I can work with people who are totally different than me, who have totally different giftings than me, who might even in the natural would rub me up the wrong way. But when he's the goal, we go together arm in arm and we say, we're pursuing his presence together. The Holy Spirit brings glory and honor to Jesus. Jesus points us to the Father, and the Father says, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus says, I'm sending my, my Spirit to you. And they, they, they work together in team, honoring each other, ministering together. We can't minister together, like we're talking about this morning, if we're not full of the Spirit. If we're not honoring the Spirit. If we're not allowing the Spirit to lead us and guide us. Because if we don't have the Spirit, all we have is good ideas. And we're always going to argue about our good ideas. We are not an NGO aid organization. Some churches act like that, but we are a spirit-led people. Yes, we can help others, but we're not an aid organization that simply exists to do good things for people. We're a spirit-led people who, who, who exist to show Jesus to the world around us, to bring him glory, and to point people to him. Because we can't change people. It's only him that can change people. Any help that we give is with the point of bringing people to Jesus. It's amazing that when we truly trust and honor the Spirit's work in our lives, or in a situation, or in others, how he then brings us all into alignment. If I'm honoring the Spirit's work in Leanna's life, and she's honoring the Spirit's work in Amy's life, and she's honoring the Spirit's work in my life, there's an alignment of hearts that takes place because we see what God's doing. A couple more points, then we're going to worship. Sixthly, keeping the main thing central. It says this in verse 4 to 6 of Ephesians. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. To work in team, we have to have a kingdom heart and mindset that keeps the main things the main things. If we're going to minister with other people who have different backgrounds and different cultures and different beliefs and different things that, they, that we want to emphasize, we have to unite around the main things. Not divide over the secondary things. So many churches in the last few years have divided over the secondary things rather than united around the gospel of Jesus and who he is. Rather than staying united around the main things, we've gotten on sidetracks and divided or lost our witness. We minister to Jesus first before we minister to people. It's all about him, his presence, his glory. The theological fights, the divisions, the differences, they're, they're almost always brought up by people who are not living on mission. I have never yet met somebody who is living on mission, who is actively saying, God, use me today to reach the lost, who has any time to argue about theological issues. They're never the ones that say, can we have a coffee, and what about this, and what about that, and I don't believe with that scripture, and the way you preach that, like, I would have preached it a different way. Cool, then go preach it a different way. But we're on mission, and we're not getting off the wall. We're, we're going to keep on with it. All the fights and disagreements are brought up by people who aren't on mission. Ooh. 
We're not living out the great commission or we're not in the river or we're on the edge getting caught in the weeds and the arguments and the things that are secondary. Attributes of ministering team. Just two more real quickly. Understanding that we all have different graces and gifts given by Christ. Verse 7 says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Your grace gift might not be the same as mine. It probably isn't. And my grace gift is probably not the same as yours. But it is of equal value, and it's needed for us to minister effectively together. Why does the Bible say, do not forsake the gathering together of believers? It's not so that there's a big crowd every Sunday so the preacher feels better. It's because together, his glory is displayed. And your grace gift is needed, and my grace gift is needed. Why do we emphasize not just Sunday gatherings, but discipleship? Because Acts says that, this is why we do it, just so you know. Acts, the book of Acts says that they met together in the temple and house to house. It's a biblical principle. Discipleship is a biblical principle. Now, we can, we, we can, in our selfishness, pick and choose what we want to do, but then you'll wonder why you go around the same mountain again. You get to the end of the year and you start thinking about next year and you think, oh, what should I be involved in? Oh, I'm pretty busy. I don't know about discipleship group. But your grace gift is needed. And, so, and their grace gift is needed. And together we display his splendor on a Sunday, in a discipleship group, in our workplace, together in every place. Finally, is it finally? Two more. Working toward the same goal. Oh, I keep saying, I've said two more four times. There was four more. Now there is two more. Some people are counting. Some people are good at maths. Some people are mathing at the moment. Whatever number you're up to, that's the number. Working toward the same goal. We need to be working toward the same goal. The goal of ministry is firstly to minister to Jesus, but then our goal of ministry is to equip the saints for works of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we no, would no longer be children. Verse 15 said to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Being a team person requires a heart attitude that genuinely wants to involve other people so that they can grow and develop. Finally, this is my last one. This one is not from this passage, but I couldn't finish without saying this one. Um, team requires trust. We have to be able and willing to trust others if we're going to work together for the kingdom. Trust is vital in team, but particularly hard if you've been let down or hurt by people in the past. I get it, but Jesus wants to heal it. I understand it. I'm not saying that it's not hard, but we have to be able to trust. Sometimes it takes time for our hearts to open up, to be able to trust people, to be able to trust leaders, to be able to trust others that God's added us to. But if he's added us, then we have to let him heal us so that we can minister together and we can trust each other. Without trust, there's no cooperation. Without trust in the kingdom, there's no growth and impact. We have to allow God to heal us of our hurt and our disappointment, and we have to live free of offense. 
Trust, I'm going to finish with this and we're going to worship. Maybe the team can come up. Trust is built in the trenches. Trust often requires some honest, tough, and as we like to say in our eldership team, robust conversations. We don't build trust by isolating ourselves or running away. Trust is built through the battles. Trust is built as we minister. Trust requires vulnerability. If you're going to be effective, mature, kingdom people, we need others, and we need to minister in team. And as a church, to be who God's called us to be, we need each other. We need you. You need me, even though you might not like to think it. You need Paul. You need Jess. You need Scott. You need Chloe. If you don't know who those people are, then get around and meet them. You need to meet people. (laughs) This was never meant to be a one-person show, and we are never meant to be professional Christians. We're a priesthood of all believers, a body, a people knit together for the display of His splendor. Can we stand together? We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.